Sarah Uden is a client, friend, and absolute go-getter, and one of four youth voices I'm celebrating on the podcast. She spoke to me about what it's like being a Brit starting a business based in Cambodia. Listen to this clip now. So these were all huge things for me to both emotionally and obviously commercially overcome when starting a period business in a country where periods are not spoken about, periods are not considered clean, they are to do with your beauty and intelligence and all of the other things. For me, this has been a real big learning curve and it's shown me that the period education is missing and that's why we're going to provide it. Another thing is that only one of the 15 girls that we interviewed could tell us why they got their period. So that, again, was a huge factor for me where we said, actually, we're not just going to make this a sustainable business that solves a waste problem. We're going to make this a social impact thing and change these women's lives. This is season five, the great debates of our times. Season five will be centered around the great debates and we will be comparing and contrasting different viewpoints on various topics that are consuming the public discourse at present. The reason I've decided to take this approach is because we, or at least many of us, are losing the skill of debate. And I think this is an essential skill for us all to practice once more. I don't see how we get to the point of saving the world and saving our planet if we don't know how to discuss our differences. I also think that the solution to most of our challenges is somewhere in the spectrum of views, but never at either extreme. I will be working with guests to curate the content and discuss beforehand. I will understand their positions, their areas of genius, and navigate my questions around that so that the conversation is challenging and stimulating without being combative. I hope you enjoy season five of Where I Just Launched, the Sustainable Innovation Podcast. Today, my guest is Sarah Yudin. She's the founder and CEO of Amala Periods, Cambodia's first sustainable period underwear and education company. Sarah, welcome to Where Ideas Launch. It's such a pleasure to host you on this program and to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. I feel absolutely honoured that you've invited me on as a guest. <laughs> so how does a girl from Cambridge end up founding a startup in Cambodia? Tell us about your journey. That's a great question. Thank you. Um, it's a very, very random story and a very long story. So I'll try and keep it nice and short and to the point. But I don't know, from a very, very young age, I always knew that I was going to live abroad or I always dreamed of living abroad, let's say. I didn't know it was going to happen, but I made it happen for myself. So I started learning foreign languages when I was about three years old. Um, I continued with that. And I always, I always knew that that was going to be my way to leave England. <laughs> Um, was actually learning foreign languages. So I ended up studying a French and German degree, which really helped me build that confidence. Um, but I actually started traveling alone when I was 16. Uh, so I was traveling over to France, to Germany. And I've, I'd been working since I was 13. So this was all money that I'd earned. And I, this was all that I wanted to do with it. So I started coaching gymnastics when I was 13 years old and it really opened a lot of doors to me and it showed me that I can actually make decisions to visit places around the world that actually I always just dreamed of. So I, was, I feel very blessed that I had that opportunity. And I first came to Cambodia when I was 18. So I did the classic gap year. I had three jobs. I worked very hard to get enough money to travel the world. And I did it. Um, I came over to India, Myanmar, Singapore, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, and I absolutely fell in love with Cambodia um, on that trip. I just, the language, the culture, it made me feel calm. It's a more calm version of Thailand, but it's a little bit more 
lively than Lao, say. And it just felt like somewhere that I knew I was going to come back to. And I ended up coming back after studying abroad in Germany. I met some friends there. One of my friends had moved here. And so I said, of course, I'll come visit you on holiday. That would be great. Thank you so much. So we came out, a group of the girls, and we had the best trip ever. And also just being able to see the lifestyle out here and realizing that this dream was actually a reality for somebody that I knew. And this was something that's no longer just a, a dream. It was something that was within my grasp. So I came back home to England and I carried on with my nine to five. And I, to be honest with you, I was miserable. I actually got diagnosed with depression and anxiety um, at that time. And I realized that this was not the place for me. And it was a really, really tough decision, but having a friend out there really helped me. So I managed to book that flight and leave everything I knew and loved and I didn't have a return ticket. And that was in January 2020, just before the pandemic. Woo! It wow. was a scary decision. And at that point, I wasn't really sure if I should stay or not. Um, so when I first arrived in Cambodia, I got a job as an English teacher. So I've actually done lots of different jobs. I've been a gymnastics coach. I've been a ski resort manager. I've been a wedding and events coordinator. I've been a data analyst uh, for Amazon. I've been lots and lots of different things. So I thought actually teaching is a good way for me to use these skills. Schools in Cambodia are run like businesses. And it made me not very happy to be a part of it because I didn't feel like the education was being accessed by the children in the way that I wanted it to. So I basically wanted to find a way out of that. And I was talking to the TAs and the teachers at school about period panties because I had tried them once before and I was wearing them that day and I was telling everybody about that in that nice oversharing way I have. Um, and nobody had heard of them. So I, I was quite confused by this. And I thought, oh, what do you mean? Nobody has heard of them. And so I kind of explained them. I showed everybody. And I, everybody seemed really interested by this product. And I thought, actually, this could be a possible opportunity for me because this is a sustainable item. And I've always dreamed of running a sustainable business myself. Like this has been something that I've always wanted as my own baby. And I just thought this is something that makes sense. So then that was basically where it started. I, so I researched a lot. I got some support from people like, of course, Catherine and from Laura. And I basically, I just started asking around and selling to my friends and selling at local markets. And that's the point at which the business started to take off. So I couldn't run a business alongside a full-time teaching job. So I then switched back over to my coaching. So I then started a dance school at the same time. I've been coaching gymnastics at the dance school uh, while running the business and also coaching other sports in other locations around the city. And that's kind of the short version of the random journey that brought me to being the CEO of Amala Periods. This is insane. Like, I, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? No, that's fine. I turned 28. Right. And in that space of about 10 years, you've basically done like 10 jobs, explored so many different aspects of yourself as well, finding out what you liked, what you didn't like. And I think this is such a great, empowering story, both from a career perspective, but also from, you know, the sustainable transition perspective. And I think being in Cambodia is a bit of an eye-opener on many different aspects of life. Very, very different from the UK. I've been there myself uh, roughly around 10 years ago, maybe. And I think it's such a change and a shift from what we would expect. So I want to touch on something that you said. So you talked about the education system in Cambodia and being run like a business, etc. Would you see that it is tilting toward a more Western standard of education? What, what are your thoughts on it? So I would say the schools in Cambodia being run like businesses is kind of an independent issue. It just was the final trigger for me to realize that this was, I didn't want to just fit into something that was set up 
for to make profit for somebody else that was not actually supporting children in a good educational way. It was more of a profit building situation and that's not how I felt comfortable teaching. Um, it also felt like we had to just tick a lot of boxes and take a lot of photos rather than actually teach the children anything. And so that's also part of what I've put into the period education workshops is that I don't want to do it. So it's just to tick boxes and to take photos for people and all of these things, because that's how the education system works. So although I can't say exactly that this was the trigger, what, I've, what I'm doing is I'm making sure to take all of this information from working in the schooling system in Cambodia to make sure that when we do our period education programs, which is we've started doing now, we aren't doing it in the standard Cambodian way. And we're actually doing it in a much more dynamic, entertaining, fun sports coaching style way, which makes people just much more comfortable about learning about this very taboo topic. And just in terms of the whole relationship with women's health in general, like I think if I were to speak for myself and I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but I don't think we received the level of education that you receive today in terms of period health and how to manage those things. It's also because, you know, we're learning more about the whole topic as well. But what would you say is one of the reasons for the big gap in, in, in knowledge that you found there? I totally know what you mean, actually, by that. Um, I would say it does feel a little bit like we are living in the past, in, not in a bad way. But it does feel like, you know, the way that we live certain ways in Cambodia, there's still like lots of things that would have been acceptable in the 70s and 80s in the UK and in the Western world that is how we live over here now. And I think that the education system reflects that, where there's still things that are just not spoken about. There are just tick boxes that people have to fit into. And also women's health is not spoken about because it's not relevant, because it's not important as part of society and it's it's deemed to be shameful. So it's not something that is very important as part of the education system here. I would, yeah, definitely say that. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I was actually talking to one of my friends about that the other day. She said, I'd never thought of it like that, but it's literally like we're living in the 70s. Like we are doing what our people like in the 70s were doing but we're doing it in the 2020s um this is strange but I think that that is definitely reflected in the in the gender equality and the way that women are viewed as well so actually I have a very short um little anecdote that I can tell you about from the other day so I went to the Miss Universe Cambodia event and I one of my friends was competing so I went to support my friend and I'm really pleased I went to support it and I thought it's a it's a very strange idea this whole um, beauty pageant thing. I'm not I'm not 100% sure if I actually support the idea of it, but I'm very happy to support my friend and she did an amazing job. Don't you say? But at the end of it, there was a little altercation and there was a, basically a guy following one of the contestants around with his phone and he was harassing her and he was following her and he was shouting at her and nobody was doing anything. So I stepped in and I stopped him from filming her and I didn't understand what was going on and it, to me that that was the most shocking thing in the world because these this is one of the women I would have expected to actually have been able to say something and to have actually been able to stop this. But this was a really clear image for me about how this gender inequality is so still here. And there when nobody else was willing to step in to stop this harassment of a contestant that has just been celebrated on national television. And I was the only person that stepped in. It accidentally went viral on TikTok as well. So it's a bit of a disaster. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I still I stand by it because it, I would 
I'd much rather step in when I can see something like that happening. That's insane. And again, yeah, it's a great example of the challenges that you're facing actually dealing with this. So I want to I want to go directly into that question. I mean, how have you sort of adjusted and accommodated all the cultural learnings that you've had to have in order to run this business? Tell me a little bit about how that went. So again, great question. I yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's been challenging, of course, learning a new culture and learning a new language is always going to be challenging, especially when it's very, very far away from your own, because I am very much not Cambodian and I don't have any Cambodian cultural heritage or anything. My my ancestors were Indian, but it's not something that we actually carry in our family particularly. So learning the language during the pandemic, of course, has been the biggest struggle just because meeting people has been difficult. We've then kind of tried to counteract that by working with Khmer marketing teams and translators, which has been expensive, but then obviously worth it to connect the audience more authentically. But honestly, the biggest thing is that the cultural taboos has been huge. So even when I started talking about this like some of the TAs were too they were too embarrassed to talk to me even though they have spent you know all day every day hanging out with me they know all about everything we do we know everything about each other it was still not something that they felt super confident until everybody was interested and everybody came over to have a look and things like that what I found really interesting is that me and my business partner we interviewed 15 Khmer women about their periods so these were my students when I was an English conversation class teacher so they were adult students in tech uh, so they were very intelligent, very, you know, well, well-established women. And listening to them talk about the cultural taboos around periods was absolutely fascinating. So they said things like, when you're on your period, you're not allowed to eat bitter food, sour food, spicy food or salty food or pickled or preserved food. And Cambodians' favourite food is sour mango with chilli. And so they were all, it's like they were all crying about that. They were like, I can't believe our mum doesn't let us eat this when we're on our period kind of thing. Um, so that was really crazy. It's like stopping us from eating chocolate in the Western world on our period. You'd be like, what? You can also not drink iced coffee or coconut because this apparently might affect your period length or heaviness. And it also can affect your beauty. So these are big cultural things that I had to, re- I really struggled with and I was really shocked by when I was first talking about them. Apparently as well, uh, another one is that your period and your beauty are directly related. So you only can be beautiful if you have a healthy period, which I personally believe is a really, really toxic view because actually your period is not necessarily reflective of anything like that. And your period can change in so many different ways for so many different reasons. That's a, that's a scary one for sure. But for me, the most kind of powerful one was the one where they said, when you get your period, you are now ready for marriage and children. Like, that's it. That's what happens is once you've had your period, you are ready for marriage and children. So these were all huge things for me to both emotionally and obviously commercially overcome when starting a period business in a country where periods are not spoken about, periods are not considered clean. They are to do with your beauty and intelligence and all of the other things that there's a lot of falsities around it as well. But actually, for me, this has been a real big learning curve. And it's shown me that the period education is missing. And that's why we're going to provide it. Another thing is that only one of the 15 girls that we interviewed could tell us why they got their period. So that, again, was a huge factor for me where we said, actually, we're not just going to make this a sustainable business that solves a waste problem. We're going to make this a social impact thing and actually change change these women's lives for the better and actually help them learn about their bodies. Because once you know about your body, you have so much more increased confidence. You can actually go to the doctor if you know there's a problem, if you've actually been told about it. All of these things that you don't even consider 
But when there is this, these cultural taboos around this natural process that's happening, it really changes the way that people access information as well. So p- people just don't have the information to access is the other biggest problem. So that's another thing that we're trying to solve. Yeah, no, that's great. And there are two things that you touched on that I think we haven't yet covered. So just for the for the benefit of my listeners, can you share why period panties are a thing today? That is a very good point. Yeah, absolutely. So period, period pant. I actually don't love the term period panties, but the UK, if I say period pants in this country, people think I'm talking about trousers. So I will call them period panties or period underwear. But basically they are this really amazing system where it looks like a normal pair of underwear, but each one of the underwear has got this special four layer system. The top layer is moisture wicking, so it keeps you nice and dry. So it wicks away the moisture. The second layer is odor proof, so it stops the smell. The third layer is super absorbent, and then the fourth layer is leak proof. So these four layers work together to keep you clean and dry for up to 12 hours. This can be huge, especially for girls that, for example, can't afford to buy pads to wear and they can actually go to school for the whole day. These can also be huge for people that don't want to create plastic waste and also have any other problems with things um, inside their body or outside their body. So anybody that can't use a tampon or doesn't want to use a tampon for any reason, it's a hugely beneficial solution as well. And in my opinion, period underwear and period panties are better than reusable pads even because reusable pads move around. And as a person that does sports all day, every day, I need something that doesn't move around when I am moving around as well. So that's uh, what period underwear is. I can also tell you kind of why I care about them so much as well, if you like, I can tell you a little personal story. So for me, period underwear is such a passion because I've actually suffered from terrible periods for a very, very long time. I started my period when I was 12 and I was taking weeks off school from that time with really bad period pain, really heavy bleeding, really just a terrible experience. It gave me hormonal mood swings a lot of the time. And I've been on hormonal contraception since I was 12. Even despite this, I've had irregular erratic bleeding, um, sometimes up to two weeks at a time. And it's just been horrendous in terms of obviously Self-esteem, it doesn't make you feel good when you can't understand what's happening to your body like this. But in terms of waste as well, this was huge, especially when I in 2019, I read the Paris, the Paris Treaty. And that was that was a real turning point for me in terms of sustainability. It was before that it had always been something that I was aware of. But for me, I was like in 2019, this is something I need to take charge of. So I basically searched around and searched around and I found that you could have these period underwear and that saved me so much money and so much waste it just because when you suffer like that you can't help but use so many tampons and so many pads so for me period underwear was just an absolute lifesaver I know that not everybody has such a terrible experience with their period but it's something that you don't even realize how life-changing it can be until you try it So that is basically there. For me as well, though, period underwear is so important because actually plastic pads and tampons are not a good solution. And at the moment in Cambodia, over 80% of women use plastic pads. Tampons are not used over here because if you use a tampon, um, then it's considered to lose your virginity. So it's not part of the culture to use tampons. So pads, I I can talk about pads. And in Cambodia alone, there's over 1 billion pads thrown away each year. Um, one person can throw away up to 150 to 200 pads themselves per year and 80% of a pad is made out of plastic and these can take up to 800 years to decompose. So this is obviously a big issue um, we need to be solving and period underwear is a, is, is a solution for that. And it's a really good solution that's actually really good for your body as well. Because not only is plastic bad for the environment, 
surprise, plastic is bad for your body as well. So if you're putting plastic pads up against your vulva for extended periods of time, it can actually lead to an increase in cancer um, and other terribly terrifying diseases. So actually, this is a very good solution in terms of vaginal health as well, um, especially if girls are using pads for a really long time. Bacterial infections, especially in a hot, humid country like this, are rife. So it kind of solves all of the problems. It, there's, there's no discomfort. You feel clean. You feel dry. You feel, you're, the smell is protected. You can do all of the things. What would you say have been your successes so far? I would say probably, obviously, the biggest success would be we've actually sold over 500 pairs of underwear since we started last year. So that is huge. This was exactly on target for me. That was exactly the goal. And that was I was really pleased about that. Um, so that's been huge. Um, we also had a really, really successful first big donation event uh, where we have donated 60 pairs of underwear to a village in a place called Stonewenche in just outside of Phnom Penh, uh, whereas basically it's a, it's a village um, run by the Cambodia Children's Fund and the World Housing Organization, and it's called the Girls to Grannies Village. And there's 200 females that live there, and they're kind of from any age up to granny's age and they all live together in a community and we thought that would be a really good first place for us to do our donations um just because that's a safe space for us to talk about periods and it's a good place for us to make sure it's a female safe environment so we had such success we had such a good time we had a really successful period education workshop and at the end the girls all had questions about you know is this normal oh my gosh are you sure and you could see that the the smiles on their faces just by saying yeah no that's normal this is fine and we realized then that that was a forum that they just had never had because a lot of these girls don't necessarily live with their own parents as well so um they wouldn't have had that conversation with their mum to say hey mum, is this normal so that was that felt really amazing to actually say this is a way that we're able to give back to our community by providing this sustainable solution to people. We're actually also able to put massive smiles on girls' faces as well. So that's been absolutely huge. Now, another massive success that I had was actually when I expanded the team. And I am just going to very quickly talk about my uh, business partner, Angelique, who joined last year in October. So she's a brand strategist and UX design consultant, and she's from South Africa. She's got experience running her own business, and she's also worked as a teacher before, and she basically is in charge of everything creative. So she's been my brain behind the change from Athena to Aluna to Amala, and she's basically now transformed us into a brand that really resonates with the Kamai audience. So that's been a huge success as well. It's been the rebranding with Angelique has been huge. The only thing is, is we still don't have a Khmer team member. So we really, are, we really, really would love to have somebody Cambodian on our team as well, because it doesn't feel right that we're trying to connect with a Cambodian audience without actually having people on the team. So we've been working with our Cambodian friends, our Khmer friends. But we still haven't found that, you know, that trifecta effect. We haven't found our third missing piece of our triangle. Congratulations. I think that's really great news and very proud of your success and, and happy to have seen it grow because I've been working with you for just under a year, I guess, is for some time Pretty now. Much so. the time. Yeah. I think that's when I joined the community was when I, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a woman in sustainable business. And my friend uh, Dick Rob was in part of the group. And so she recommended. Actually, yeah, so you've been on this journey with me the whole time and you've watched it go from Athena to Aluna to Amala. And now we are definitely sticking with Amala because Amala means clean or right. lack of impurity in Sanskrit. So yeah. that one really resonates with me and the audience so much. 
That's really great. So the next question is going to take us to another angle of your experience in Cambodia and, some, and, and around the whole sustainability topic. Now, just to for the audience listening, I've also been to Cambodia just once. I went for a weekend to Siem Reap because I heard I had to see Angkor Wat if I was in that area. So I, I flew from Malaysia to Cambodia. And I was shocked when I arrived because we stayed in this five-star hotel, very posh place with loads of people waiting and serving you. And when you looked out the window across the street, there was this floating village where the rest of the people lived without, you know, proper sanitation, without a lot of things that you would consider very normal in the West, in the Western world. And I couldn't understand how this could coexist how this place of abject poverty can coexist with this five-star hotel. Like, it made no sense to me at all that this could be happening. And then we took a bus journey from Siem Reap to Phnom Penh, and I had never seen so much waste on the streets as in Cambodia at that time, right? I'm sure there are other places that, that struggle as well with this, but I was really shocked and impressed in a bad way perhaps of the level of of waste and and rubbish and lack of cleanliness as we talk about about being clean so I wanted to touch on this because I think you being there in Cambodia in this time is relevant for so many reasons I wanted you to reflect on what you've seen in terms of big corporations and how are they being socially relevant to the people of Cambodia today That is, yeah, absolutely spot on. I would say I had a very similar experience. I first came to Cambodia nine years ago and I was absolutely shocked by the amount of trash. But then I I don't remember it being any more than there was in Thailand or in Laos. I just remember being shocked in general at how much trash there was this side of the world um, at that time. Now, obviously, it's now nine years later and lots has changed. But I am going to be honest with you, the trash problem hasn't really changed. They have only recently uh, started with waste management companies here in the city of Phnom Penh, which is, of course, the capital city of the country. And there was actually recently a strike. So within the last year, there was just a strike and all the trash collectors stopped working. And you really saw the problem at that point because they didn't collect trash for a week and there were piles bigger than houses. It was extremely shocking because Cambodia is a dumping ground for the rest of the world as well as its own citizens. So recycled waste, it it doesn't get recycled, it gets shipped to Cambodia and it gets dumped in Cambodia anyway. It gets dumped on the side of the streets in Cambodia. So there's already a problem. And so I think that I don't know this, but my personal opinion is that maybe when you're overloaded with that amount of trash, it is very difficult to see how your own personal impact can or your your own personal choices can make an impact. Because actually, if there's piles of trash bigger than your house and you're thinking about whether or not you should try and recycle one plastic bottle, it's a really, really confusing feeling because we all know we should we should be creating the least waste possible. We need to be absolutely reducing, reducing, reducing. But it's really difficult when there is no running water that's drinkable and your only option is to go and buy a bottle that has been created by these big corporations that just don't care and could actually be creating different options, maybe reusable fountains or reusable. There are solutions possible that they could choose to channel their money into instead, like setting up vending machines that actually just fill your bottle and you can even have branded everything in that same way. But there, I don't know, that's that's a little bit of a tangent anyway, but that's just a, 
idea. But I would say, yeah, absolutely. The waste management problem is still huge here. And recycling, there is only one glass recycling plant in the whole city, in the whole country. Um, and so we have to ship it from Phnom Penh and we have to pay for that. So those are kind of big issues. But in terms of big corporations, I would say stop sending your waste to Cambodia, please. Stop creating things that are wasteful because when they are the only option available, it's not fair. It's really not fair. Make make there be def- different options available for people that don't have access to running water and don't have access to drinking water. Don't give the this as the only option. I would say that basically the infrastructure in Cambodia is amazing. It just needs a lot of investment. And Cambodia in general needs a lot of investment. It needs a lot of development. It is still very much a developing country in development. And there's loads of growth opportunities here. But people need to actually invest in things that are going to be sustainable long term, because at the moment there is a throwaway culture here and it's being perpetuated by these big corporations that are just saying, buy this quick, try and become more like the West quick. When actually this is an opportunity for big corporations to choose to do it a different way. So they could choose to actually say, hey, we've seen how much we've messed up over here in the UK and in France and in Germany and in the US and in Australia. How about this time we do it differently and we don't destroy the environment in every single aspect just by trying to make, because you can still make profit. This is the thing. They can still make profit without destroying the environment. So maybe those are the options. I'm more emotional about that than I thought I would actually. I totally support your points. When I see big corporations trying to make change and come up with something innovative and pioneering, et cetera, they start in places like Japan and South Korea more because they're trendsetting than because they're relevant. And there's so many relevant situations that we can do tests in and we can change the protocols and we can do something that really allows people to live a more fruitful life without going through the same loops that we went through in the West of learning, right? And it's disappointing that it's not pursued enough. So I totally support you. The other thing I want to sort of pivot to is if you could receive any funding now, what would you prioritize? (laughs) I mean, I have a list longer than my arm, obviously, of all of the things that I would need to prioritize. But I don't know. I think probably the first, in my opinion, the first thing that I would like to properly invest in if we got a big amount would be investing in designing and manufacturing our own period underwear here because that obviously leads to job creation that's better control over quality much more increased profit margins and way more sustainable in terms of packaging shipping all of the things that I would be in full control of so that would be my main priority and that's something that we are definitely talking about with other local sustainable businesses in Cambodia so we have started that conversation and we are very excited we are now just trying to find the funding for and the other thing we are looking for is actually we're planning on developing an English in Khmer period app to make our information much more accessible so that would be another thing that we are would put some investment money into because I think that those are really the key points is making sure that we're being most ethical and sustainable we possibly can be and actually creating this education platform that actually does serve the community in a productive way so those would be my main priorities um also being able to pay us some salaries at some point might be nice haha purchasing some stock in bulk hiring a my person no i i can go on um, but no i think those would be i think the most exciting things to actually spend the money on um and they would definitely be some of our priorities as a team perfect so what i want to ask now how could my listeners support you given that the majority of my listeners are not yet cambodian maybe i will get some after this interview absolutely i mean the best way to probably support us from the uk is 
talking to people about sustainable periods that's that's our message is let's have sustainable periods but for real for real um you can go to our website um www.amalaperiods.com we have a donation button that's there and available we are also planning on shipping worldwide um shortly so we once we have that all set up on the website you will be able to purchase our sustainable period products on our website so we will have period underwear reusable pads cups um and also waterproof pouches for those things um, and they will all be available and beautiful and sustainable um, and available for sale online uh, you can also like us on facebook and instagram and we will soon be releasing a tiktok so you can also find us on there and any kind of liking sharing supporting commenting is always really helpful for small businesses so anything like that would be amazing Wonderful. Sarah, it's been such a pleasure to have you. I have loved your story and your transformation and your growth over the last year. And I just want to see it continue. So all the best wishes. We're going to chat again very soon this week, but but best of luck for the future. Thank you so much. And Catherine, I honestly, I, I must say, I couldn't have done it without you. You have been an absolute rock in my journey on this. So thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you today by the brand new Women in Sustainable Business Awards that kicks off in 2023. If you're a business owner who's starting a business with principles of sustainability in mind, and you want to preserve some lost skills, some handcrafting, artisanal work, or you're a social media manager supporting purpose-driven brands, or you're creating fashion or something that is relevant to the sustainability and green transformation, you are more than welcome to join us and to get involved in these awards. Check out our group on Facebook, Women in Sustainable Business, or follow the podcast, Where Ideas Launch, on Instagram to find out more.